Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, God, that you are good, you are God, and you are here. Lord Jesus, that you lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserved. And you paid the price. The work is finished. And you sealed it as you rose from the dead so that we who identify with you in your death might be raised with you to walk in newness of life. Lord, these are glorious truths that we cannot possibly comprehend in our own human abilities. And Lord, we all struggle with doubt. Can these things really be true? Lord, I pray that this morning, as we celebrate the resurrection every morning or every Sunday when we gather together to sing, but this morning, Lord, that we would consider the empty tomb and realize that in that we have proof that every amazing thing that you said is true. Help us to consider that this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you this morning on Easter, Easter Sunday. What an incredible time, Resurrection Sunday, to be together, to sing, and to worship. And we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount together as a church family. And so we're pausing that this morning just to consider the resurrection. And, and we've talked about how in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had come to proclaim the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is really a, a message about how the kingdom of God functions and the good news that is the kingdom. And that is the reason that Jesus came. He came to announce the kingdom. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And this morning, what I want to do is I just want to just sit and consider from God's own word to us the glorious reality that if he rose from the grave, then every incredible thing that we see in his word is true. And that is what we celebrate this morning. And so I am, there's going to be a lot of scripture on the screen, and I want you to know you don't need to try to keep up or anything. If you would like all of these, I'm happy to send them. Just let us know, and I'll, I'll give you all the, the references that we have. But my, as I was preparing this, and I thought, what could I possibly say to draw attention to this? And I just got hit with the very obvious reality that Jesus has already said it. Like anything that I could tell you is not more wonderful or more amazing than what Jesus has already said about who he is and what he has done for us, and what that means for our lives and our eternity. This is why he came. He came to announce the kingdom of heaven and how it had invaded the world. 
He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. The kingdom that he lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. The kingdom that he compares to a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom that is like a banquet where everyone is invited. This is the kingdom that Jesus announces This is the kingdom that Jesus purchases with his blood. And this is the kingdom that Jesus brings and consummates fully through the resurrection. And it is a good kingdom. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, when they would proclaim gospel, like kind of proclaiming the coming of a kingdom, a new kingdom that is here to reign, a new king that is here to reign, that is the news that goes out, the news that that, uh, the old regime has been defeated and that there is a new regime. They would go and they would herald that and they would tell people, and that was news. But what makes it good news is fully dependent on the nature of this kingdom and this king. What makes it good news is the announcement that rebels against the king would be forgiven and welcomed into the kingdom, not as servants or as slaves or merely just citizens to mind their own business, but adopted as sons and daughters and given an inheritance. So the proclamation of a kingdom that has won a battle is news, but it is only good news If this kingdom is good, if the king is good, and he is, his love demonstrated on the cross that he will keep his promises and his power demonstrated in the empty tomb that he has the power to deliver on those promises. On the first day of the week at early dawn they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were perplexed about this behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground the men said to them why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here but has risen Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. Imagine being in that situation where all of a sudden you realize he was telling the truth. And not that they didn't believe him because he seemed like he wasn't telling the truth or that he had done anything to make them believe or feel like they should doubt him. They couldn't believe it because the news was too wonderful. It was too good to be true. And the women women who first see that he is risen are the first to take the mantle and preach a gospel that they are still marveling in. Could this be true? We saw him. He is risen. Just like he said, Imagine to hear that. How could they possibly grasp 
the depth of this? How could they possibly grasp how incredible and wonderful this is? I imagine all the times, everything flashing back in their heads and, and wondering as they asked, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who, who is this who teaches with such authority? Could this be the Messiah? And now in one act, he confirms all that he said. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Every single thing he said is true. And imagine as they start to go down that road and thinking, He is, he, could this be? Is this really him? Is it possible? And did all of these things flood their mind when he says, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come back for you. When he says, does no one condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. When he says, the kingdom of God is a treasure hidden in a field. When he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. When he says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. When he says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When he says, no one has given up anything, houses or anything that will fail to receive 10 times or 100 times in this life in the next. As he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. As he says, you are my friends. And as he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every single word. And often our biggest obstacle to believing is that it's just too good. It's just too wonderful. My life is not full of rest. My life is not full of peace. My life is not one marked by feeling deeply known, fully known, and deeply loved. My life is full of condemnation and being cast out. And yet here Jesus says, that's not reality. Come to me. You are my friends. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And in the empty tomb, Jesus confirms it all. Many of you know, if you know my story, you know that I, I went through a season early in ministry where I went through a huge crisis of faith. I really, I thought that I was definitely losing my grip on God and I thought God was losing his grip on me. 
and it was terrifying. But I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't reconcile all these things. My mind was just flooded with all of these issues and all of these doubts and all of this confusion. And I remember as I read through philosophy and other world religions and all these things, and I would cry out to a God that I wasn't even sure was there. And what the Spirit in His kindness, even though I didn't know, I didn't know if I could believe that He was even indwelling me, what the Spirit did in me was to continue to put before me the empty tomb. And he kept confirming in my heart, that's what matters. If Jesus walked out of that tomb, then everything else that he said is true. If Jesus walked out of that tomb, then he is perfectly capable of guarding his word and protecting it through generations of sinful humanity. If Jesus walked out of that tomb, then he is able to make all sad things come untrue. He is able to bring true justice and reconcile all things and answer all questions. And if he rose from that grave and walked out of that tomb, then I for sure cannot comprehend all of his ways. If Jesus rose from the dead and walked out of that tomb, what I finally confronted was this reality, then that means my sin is really forgiven. And I am reconciled to God. Merit that I could not achieve is now my own. And if that is true, then it is true for you and it is everything. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And the Lord brought me to that place to say, if he walked out of that tomb, then everything is true. And if he didn't, then it is all vanity. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And because he did, we are free. If you are in Christ, all those incredible things are true. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, in the cross, we have purification of our sins, forgiveness from our sins. We have peace with God. The good news that the new kingdom has come and we have been rebels against that king and yet the good news is that you are being reconciled. Peace has been made for you. He has bought you back. 
We have redemption. You and I were slaves to the kingdom of this world, slaves to sinful, disordered desires, doomed by the curse of sin to pursue temporary things. Anybody who has tried to improve in your own strength knows this and can testify to this, that we are doomed to continue after disordered desires that that leave us empty, to be left in a world of our own making, one of fruitless pursuits, of temporary treasures, of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of futility, unable to choose anything different. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You have been set free. That is the work of the cross. You have been bought back. You are not your own. You've been purchased with a price and you've been purchased to be set free. And in communion, we remember that it is Christ's work that pays the price. That it is not your effort to be a better person to turn over a new leaf, to try to do good that frees you from sin. It is Christ's perfect life, his perfect righteousness given to you that frees you. It isn't your promises to do better, to promise God it's going to be different today that gets you some kind of credit. It is his perfect life and perfect work that has already been given to you. Because in the cross, our sin is exchanged. Your sin is exchanged for his righteousness. It is finished. It is done. And that means the battle is won. The kingdom has come. It is at hand. And the victory is already there. Whatever you are facing, Jesus has already won that battle if you are in Christ. You are not a slave to sin anymore. Before Christ, you were enslaved to it. But in Christ, you are free. That is reality. That is the incredible news that is impossible for our brains to comprehend how that can be. And in the empty tomb, we see it. So when you take communion this morning, remember that. Remember that it is his work that redeems you. All you need to do is come to the table and receive this gift. He took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the promise of the cross. And in the resurrection, he proves it all. So if you are in Jesus, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward to take communion. This morning, as you do, look around the table And see your brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. And be reminded that it is finished. 
the victory is won. Whatever battle you are feeling, whatever thing you are raging against inside, whatever doubts, whatever struggles, whatever pain, whatever grief, that there is coming a day where all that will be taken care of. But right now we are in between those two worlds. What we need to cling to in this moment is to say, but it is finished. The victory is not in doubt. It is finished. And we know it because he is risen. To remind each other as you take communion, when you are done, I would encourage you to even say to each other, he is risen. Because that is how we take communion. By the grace of God, we don't take communion the way that the disciples had to before. When they didn't know what was going to happen, we know what Jesus did. And we know what he has confirmed. And we know the victory that is ours in him. Let's pray. Father, as we come forward to take communion this morning, Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that your work is completed. On the cross, you paid the price, Lord Jesus, for our sin. You made peace and reconciled us back to God. And Heavenly Father, you did not just, you're not reconciled, you've not reconciled us as servants, but as sons and daughters, as heirs to the kingdom, with extravagant grace and mercy. So Lord, I pray that as we come forward and we take the bread and the juice, that you confirm in our spirits, in our hearts, that we belong to you. The work is finished. The battle is won. We belong to you. You have bought us back. And whatever other voice comes into our head and whatever other thing happens that we know, we know that every incredible thing you said is true because you rose from the dead. Amen. So if it is true, if in this act of remembering Christ's death on the cross, if that really did give us victory, if the kingdom has come, if the victory is assured, if we are sealed by his blood, then why doesn't it always feel like this? And he tells us that this is the way it's going to be. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he declares, I have defeated this. And he, in the cross and in the resurrection, he has defeated sin and death. And he says, I've overcome the world. So even though in this world you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, there will be grief, there will be pain, there will be illness. There will be a battle that wages in your heart. Be encouraged. He has overcome the world. He has won the victory. So hang on to him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
We are given a new identity in Christ. We are no longer the old creation that was enslaved to sin. We have been set free and made new. And yet so often I don't feel like a new creation. So often I fall back in and I forget what my actual identity is and I fall into being the old self. And the reality is just like the disciples early on were thinking, this is just too wonderful. How could I possibly believe this? It's not because Jesus has done anything that would make us think he's not trustworthy. It's because it's just too wonderful. How is it possible that I get to be made new through no effort of my own, but only through the work of Christ? See, the reality is we are often afraid to walk in the new identity that Jesus has given us. Like someone who's been enslaved doesn't know how to walk in freedom. We forget that old selves die hard. That the enemy will continue to tell you that you are not a new creation. That you are who you've always been. But the reality is you are who Jesus says you are. And that is confirmed in the resurrection. So we need to be people who walk in the newness of life, to be people who walk in the victory that's already been assured for us and declared for us. And when we ask, how do we, how do, we do that then? Well, that's what most of the epistles, the letters in the New Testament after the Gospels are all about, helping the church walk in this new identity. And so to close here, I just want to give you some practical help. We have been very theological, just being in awe and wonder at the good news of the kingdom that has come and everything that Jesus has said about it that is beyond our ability to grasp or to comprehend. But he has given you this identity that you would walk in this new identity and live this life of abundance, of rest, of peace, of joy. So if you are to walk in that, first I would say what we say often, which is preach truth to yourself. Preach to yourself. Don't wait for Sunday morning to hope that I say something that helps you. Preach to yourself every day. Remind yourself of the reality of what Jesus has done and what that has meant for you. Ask others to do that for you. Remind yourself that those reactions that you're experiencing in a moment where you find yourself responding with anger or feeling bitter or living for the praises of men or trusting or chasing after these other things, remind yourself that those reactions, those desires, they belong to the old self and that old self is gone. What is left is the shadow of the old self. That was the one who was enslaved in sin. If you've ever been in a situation where you don't want to react the way that you are reacting and you see it coming, you feel it kind of coming up inside of you and you, you see it coming, you don't want it to be that way and yet it still comes out. That is the old self, the enslaved version who says, I don't have a choice. This is just how I'm going to react. I don't have a choice. This is just how I'm going to feel. I don't have a choice. I'm just going to go down this road. I'm going to give myself over to this vice, 
to this addiction, to this reaction, to this brokenness. And what you have to do in those moments is remind yourself that no, that is not reality. That the victory has been won. You are not your own. You have been redeemed and bought back with a price. You have been set free. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And as you are preaching that to yourself, you will feel like, well, that's not true because that's not how I feel. This may shock you, but our feelings are not always trustworthy. Our feelings are important. They matter. But they're not always trustworthy. And what we can declare as true can bring our hearts along to remind us you're dead to sin. You are dead to that reaction that you used to always react with. You are dead to walking down that road that you have walked so many times. You are dead to that. You are alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So declare that. And then envision how you would respond or act if you believed that you are really new. That if you are forgiven. If you believed that Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave to set you free to picture that and say, well, if I believe that, if that's true, then this is how I would respond. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The call of Jesus on your life is not that every time you face those battles, every time you forget who you are and fall into those old patterns of sin and destruction and chase after those other things, the, the, the will of Jesus is not to just, for the rest of your life here, to rub your face in it and be like, well, remember, I took care of that, and I took care of that too. You should feel sufficiently guilty for that. Feel badly enough for it. It's not what he wants. Every time you fall into that, every time you go down that road, what Jesus is saying to you, his child, you are free. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. I've demonstrated my love for you. Come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your soul. believe and remind yourself and, and consider okay what would it look like if I believed I would respond to this criticism with peace knowing that my my status is not dependent on what other people think of me I would respond to this road and these temptations by choosing Christ because I don't have to choose anymore I'm free to choose Christ I'm free to respond with grace and kindness and mercy I'm free to forgive. 
I'm free to live differently. And to picture what it would look like to live in that freedom. And then step out in faith and walk in that new identity. Like trying on a sport coat that you never wear. Put it on. Take off those old clothes. Put on the new clothes of righteousness that were secured by Jesus for you on the cross. Declare that to be true. Imagine what would it look like to live with new clothes, to not have these burdens behind me, to not have that reputation holding me back, to not have that sin clinging to me and tripping me up. To not believe the enemy when he says, it's phony, I know who you really are. No, he doesn't. The one who made you, formed you, and died for you, and lives for you, he knows who you are. So in faith, walk in that. And you and I will not be perfect in this. As Paul said, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We haven't obtained it. He's already obtained it for us. And he keeps no records of wrong. His mercies are new every morning. And we press on. We forget what lies behind. And we press on to make it our own because he has made, it, made us his own. To lay hold of the identity that he has already secured for us. That is the life of a Christian. that's it. That's the claim of the cross, that God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he pays for our sins on the cross and in the empty tomb we can know that it is incredibly, inexplicably true that you are made new. So live in light of that reality to be a new creation and like those first women who realize that he is not there, that they have been looking for the dead. They've been looking for the living among the dead. And they go and they declare it, and it's just too wonderful. You also are called to go and proclaim this good news, to declare a kingdom that has come, a king who reigns, and who desires that all would come to know him and be saved and have their lives radically changed to be given a new identity, to be set free from the slavery of sin and free to experience abundant life of peace and joy. If you are in Christ, you are the righteousness of God. You are adopted sons and daughters of the king and heirs to the kingdom. And do you know how I know? Because the tomb is empty. He is risen. 
Let's pray. Father God, we just, we declare this to be true because you have declared it to be true. You have made it so. Such good news is just too wonderful. And we need faith to even believe that when you look at us, you see righteousness because of Jesus. To know that we have been given a new identity. Lord, forgive us for when we make this so much smaller than it is, when we make this about a moral philosophy or a law to try to live or the attempts to be a better person, when we reduce it to those things that are temporary and earthly, Lord, forgive us because what you did on the cross is so much bigger. And what the empty tomb means is so much more. And we will never, we will never exhaust that knowledge. Or we know that for all eternity, we will never fully understand or grasp all that is contained in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will be discovering for all eternity how wonderful this news is, how good this news is, how worthy our Jesus is, and how loved we are. We will experience the fullness of newness, new life, new creation, new joy, new peace made by the blood of the cross. Amen.